Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8 through 1015, called The Lord Sends a Message. Isaiah chapter 9 tonight, Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the glory of your word. We want to thank you for the reality of what it says and how it does penetrate deep, how we need to understand the whole counsel of your word and your will. And thank you that you've provided it for us, Lord, and we open our hearts. We want to be, we want to be careful how we listen tonight. We want to be those who hear what your spirit says to the church. And the only way we can hear that, Lord, is if your word is taught because you've spoken through your word. So tonight we desire to have open hearts and we just pray that you would move by your Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Father. Uh, stir us to love and good deeds, we pray, that we might glorify you and be your messengers on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, we ended last week with and this tremendous prophecy about Jesus. For a child will be born to us, Isaiah 9, 6. A son will be given to us. I want you to notice he'll be born to us as a child, and he will be given to us from the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave. The government will rest on his shoulders. That's yet future. And we are going to contrast the reign of Jesus Christ, yet future, and it will be in stark contrast to the governments of the world, <laughs> as we will see. The government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. Another way to render that is Father of Eternity. Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. Two key words leading into the text. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. God's zeal will accomplish this. And I told you Sunday that the Greek word for zeal or zealous and jealous are the same word because they have similar ideas. The, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. When Jesus went into the temple and he overturned the uh, tables of the money changers and he cleared out that which was being dishonoring to the Lord, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. The disciples remembered a psalm. Zeal for your house will consume me. That spoke of the Messiah. And it was zeal that caused Jesus to be angry at evil and sin and manipulation. Keep that in mind. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It's God's zeal and God's holy jealousy. His jealousy is a godly jealousy that we talked about on Sunday that will bring this to pass because he is jealous for his people and one day he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. But in the meantime, a message is coming. The Lord, verse 8, sends a message to Jacob. Remember, Jacob was renamed to Israel and it falls on Israel. The Lord sends a message and that caught my eye. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The Lord sends a message. And I believe the Lord is sending a message to the United States. I believe that the Lord is sending a message to the church. 
And I believe he is constantly proclaiming that we should be sincerely and wholly devoted to him. But he is sending a message to his people. It's It's a message against Jacob, and I want you to notice the language, and it falls on Israel. Go back to chapter 8, look at verse 13. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, 8.13. And he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become, if he is your fear and dread, as a sanctuary. He will become a sanctuary to both the houses of Israel. A stone to strike, and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, if you don't fear him. And notice, many, 15, will stumble over them, Then they will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. Isaiah was told when he was commissioned by the Lord, you will go to a people, you will proclaim a message, but the people will not heed the message. Hold your finger in Isaiah and go to the book of Luke. We need to be careful how we hear. The Lord is sending a message. When Jesus was here upon the earth, he shared these words in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 11. Luke 8:11 Now the parable is this Luke 8:11 The seed is the word of God Luke 8:12 Those beside the road are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved Luke 8:13 Those on the rocky soil are those when they hear receive the word with joy And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. 15. And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. Now, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand in order that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden, 17, that shall not become evident, nor anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. Therefore, notice what Jesus says, take care how you listen, for whoever has to him shall more be given And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. And his mothers and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and, what's your Bible say? Do it. Go back to Isaiah. So it's one thing to hear, and God is sending a message, and it's a hard-hitting message that's going to hit Israel with full impact. Why? Because their hearts are hard. Their hearts have become calloused. Isaiah 9, 9. And all the people know it. That is Ephraim, which is another name for Israel, and the inhabitants of Samaria, that's the capital there of the northern kingdom, asserting in pride and in arrogance of heart. Here's their problem. The message comes from God, But rather than them hearing the message with a soft heart, and remember, the problem that Isaiah was told that the people will have is they will have a hard heart. with Their their hearts have become calloused or dull or insensitive. With their ears, they scarcely hear. They don't see. Their hearts are not open. It is hard-heartedness that does not penetrate 
Therefore, the message is going to come, but it's not going to penetrate the whole of the nation. Only a remnant will remain. And Isaiah's already been told, as we've highlighted, you're going to go to the people and they are going to become insensitive to the word of God. It is not going to pierce the way it should. It is not going to hit them and go deep the way that it should. And the reason is, look at verse 9, because they assert in pride and arrogance. God is opposed to the proud, but what? He gives grace to the humble, right? 1 Peter 5.5 5 in your margin there, and James 4.6. God will oppose you if you are proud. And that's really what's going to happen to Israel in this text. They are not going to submit to the word of God. God is sending a message. He is calling for repentance, but they will not listen to the message. And this begs a question. Why does God bring judgment? What is his purpose behind judgment? Because we know that the Bible says that God is love. That's 1 John 4, 8 and 16. The Bible doesn't say God is wrath. The Bible says God is love. So the question is, how can God's wrath fit in with that description of God? We also know that God is holy. But what drives God's anger? Well, I would submit to you its earlier ideas that we threw out. It's his zealousness. It's his holiness. It's his passion for his people. What makes you angry? I would say that it's probably something that uh, if someone were to somehow hurt the innocence of a loved one, if someone was to dishonor your mother, your father, uh, somehow do something to a loved one or a relative, but more than that, if someone was to dishonor your God, that should make you angry. And in the same way, God is angry when we are ripped off by idols. And the only way that really God can come in and deal with us is to deal with us in his judgment or we could say his discipline. This is Hebrews 12, 6 through 11. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Listen to this language. And he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If God didn't care about you, he wouldn't get angry. It's his zeal that brings forth this wrath. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, listen, that we may share his holiness. That is Hebrews 12.10. God's motivation behind his discipline is purity. God wants a pure people, and he knows the only way that he can purify his people is through discipline. If we won't listen, if we won't hear, then what other option is there? If your kid continues to play in the middle of the street and you tell him, you're going to get run over by a car and killed, and I love you too much, I want to protect you because I love you, then you're going to have to take a disciplinary action against that children. Not be- child, because, not because you don't love them, but because you love them. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, Hebrews 12, 11, but sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. How many of us have probably had the best lessons in our lives stamped upon our souls through difficulty? I mean, those are the ones that really stick with you the most. God may have shown you something in that difficult moment. Yes, God is love, but God does have wrath and 
I would submit to you that his anger is a manifestation of his love. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Michael Lance says it at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week and learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. If your kid continues to play in the middle of the street, you tell him you're going to get run over by a car and killed, and I love you too much, I want to protect you because I love you, then you're going to have to take a disciplinary action against that children. Not be- child, because, not because you don't love them, but because you love them. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, Hebrews 12, 11, but sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. How many of us have probably had the best lessons in our lives stamped upon our souls through difficulty? I mean, those are the ones that really stick with you the most. God may have shown you something in that difficult moment. Yes, God is love, but God does have wrath. And I would submit to you that his anger is a manifestation of his love. We matter to God, and that's why I believe he becomes angry. God is jealous for his people. He knows idols will destroy us, and he knows if we get involved with idols, consequences will follow. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it what? It leads to death. So God is willing to intervene at some point. He is willing to say, enough is enough. I'm not going to let you continue to destroy yourself, and God will uh, swoop in. Uh, Think about a millennial kingdom. Verses 6 and 7, Jesus is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. Peter says that when the heavens and the earth are burned up, this is 2 Peter 3.3, the millennial kingdom will be a place wherein righteousness dwells. How do you have a place where righteousness dwells? How do you have a place where there's peace, where enemies... uh, are no longer at war with one another, where all instruments of uh, war have been thrown and become uh, fuel for the fire. How do you have a peaceful time like that? Well, you have to do two things are required. One, you have to change the people in that kingdom. If righteousness is going to dwell in that kingdom, then guess what? The, subject of the subjects of the kingdom have to become righteous. And anyone who's not with the program have to be left out. You can't have a millennial reign with peace and righteousness dwelling if you have evil present. So guess what? That necessitates a judgment or a cleansing. 
if you're going to have a, a new earth and a new heaven and all of this beauty, then it necessitates God doing a cleansing act. Amen? Because all liars and uh, all of those who are not part of this uh, program are going to be outside the gates of that city. And so God's going to do two things. He's either going to have someone change and be transformed and be part of his kingdom and get that resurrection body, no more sin and death, etc. Or if they don't, are not transformed, they are going to be excluded from that kingdom. That kingdom cannot exist unless God takes radical measures with sin and evil. Do you understand that? That's the only way this millennium can exist. That's the only way heaven can truly be heaven. Heaven's not heaven if Adolf Hitler, unredeemed, is next to you planning his next uh, maneuver. Heaven cannot be heaven if Lucifer is next to you planning the next person that he's going to manipulate into evil. Are you with me? God is going to cleanse and he is going to judge. That is part of the equation. That is part of what has happened on the planet. God has given man free will, but he is going to deal with man. And in the pride and arrogance of their heart, Israel is going to assert their pride. They're going to say something like this, verse 10, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with smooth stones The sycamores have been cut down. Forgive me, my brain's not locked in tonight. But we will replace them with cedars. The bricks have fallen down could be, uh, some believe that these are the mud bricks and this is kind of because they're old and they're, they're looking at their buildings and saying, no problem, we'll rebuild. But others believe that this is because military action has already come upon the land in some sense. So that they've been attacked, the bricks have fallen down, and I think this is the right view, because it even says that the trees have been felled, or the sycamores have been cut down, which is something that they would do in war, and they say, ah, since they've gone down, verse 10, we'll rebuild them with hewn or smooth stones or dressed stones. Oh, the trees have been cut down, that's okay, we'll replace them with cedars, and the cedars of Lebanon were known as the best wood. So what they say to the destruction is, it's okay, it's only an external thing, we'll simply rebuild. We'll simply, as a matter of fact, it's an opportunity now to put on that designer rock that we've always wanted for the house. It's an opportunity to plant a different tree. But all they're doing, please hear this, is looking at the external destruction God wants them to look where? A lot deeper. He wants them to look at the heart. He wants them to see the message behind the destruction that has taken place. He wants them to look at the rubble and look beyond the destroyed buildings because they represent something else. They represent broken lives. When Nehemiah uh, examined the walls there in Jerusalem, his heart was heavy. But the broken down walls were uh, symbolic of a people that have gotten away from their God. And we believe that God is sovereign. And when things in the world happen, when tsunamis take place and earthquakes take place and attacks take place, there is something that we need to look at. God is not the author of evil, but God is sovereign. And for his people, he was saying, look, you're looking at the broken pieces, but all you're saying to yourself is we will rebuild. We can fix that. We can make that building new again. But God's saying, there's something that I want to rebuild in you. These stones are symbolic of the deeper problem. Take a look. Stop for a minute before you start that building project and look at your heart. I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to show you something about the nation, something about the people. 
all the people will know it. Isaiah 9.9 NIV, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria who say with pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. Notice the focus, we will rebuild. We will do this. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, no problem, we got this one. Things have fallen down, but we'll take care of it. It's okay, we've got it. But God says, no, the rebuilding project is what I wanna do in you. What really needs to crash down is the idols in your life. What really needs to come down is those things that have caused you to be prideful and forget about me. Therefore, 11, the Lord raises against them adversaries from resin and spurs their enemies on. I want you to notice the sovereignty of God. The language is unmistakable, verse 11. A ruthless foreign foe will be God's tool of judgment, and in this case, it will be the Assyrians. The NIV says, but the Lord has strengthened Rezin's foes against them and has spurred their enemies on. The Bible is unmistakable. Isaiah wants us to see through the Holy Spirit that God is behind the enemy coming into Israel to attack it. That's shocking. Why would God do that? Why would God use a foreign army to attack his holy land? Why would he do that? Why would he bring a people group? Remember, I told you that the Assyrians were probably the most wicked people of this time. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Jonah was to be sent to Nineveh, and he ran the other way because they were a war machine. But the thing about Nineveh that is striking in contrast to Israel is that finally Jonah arrives. We know the whale swallowed him. If it was a whale, it was at least a a huge fish. Regurgitated him up on the seashore. Maybe he was albino. We know he had a seaweed hat going on and all that stuff. And he came and he preached the message. But from the king on down, you remember what the Ninevites did? They repented. The king was sitting in uh, with sackcloths and ashes and he said, perhaps God will relent. Don't let a beast or a man do anything. Don't eat anything. Call upon the name of the Lord. And God saw that they were sorry. And he what? He relented from what he had planned to do. He knew that they would, of course, in his sovereignty, uh, repent. But Israel won't. You've been listening to The Lord Sends a Message, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8 through 10, 15. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. And if you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with Pastor Michael and the Living Truth Congregation, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find that channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, here it is, the first Monday of January. Welcome to 2022. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. And you know, um, as you reflect on a new year, it's always uh, something that I think probably people all over the world do. You know, uh, the calendar turns over, uh, Christmas celebrations, New Year celebrations come to an end, at least here in America. And now it's off to 2022. And some of us say, now what? <laughs> and maybe it's because we get a little too built up for the end of the year kind of stuff. Uh, maybe it's because we've had a little time off of work, uh, whatever it may be. But 2022, instead of now what, should be, Lord, what do you have for me? What 
do you want to do in 2022? Through me, um, I want to be your ambassador. You know, uh, we we can go down our list. I'm going to join the gym. I'm going to I'm going to cut out the cookies. I'm going to do this or that. But those are, while those can be good things, they're, they're all pretty much like focused on self and appearance and diet. And I'm not saying that's bad, but how about your devotional life? How about your evangelism? How about your service to the king? How about you start off January with a great, uh, strong, out of the gate, here we go. I'm going to take advantage of every moment that the Lord gives me. I'm going to rest in his finished work, no doubt. But I want to walk with you, Lord. I want to know you better. What a great goal to have for 2022. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth. We're so glad you're aboard for The Lord Sends a Message. We'll be diving into part two tomorrow right here. Remember, if you need anything from us, the, the best way to probably reach out to us is walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. There you can find out more about the ministry, the church behind this ministry. You can find out more about how to become a partner and so much more at walkintruth.com. Also, past messages from uh, programs that maybe you missed are all there. Uh, Check it out today, walkintruth.com. Thanks for your prayers, your partnership. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8 through 10, 15, called The Lord Sends a Message. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.